Cal McNelly here. Welcome to Screening for Meaning. Welcome back, everyone, to the screening for meaning. We're so excited for you to come back here and join us again for a very another exciting week. My name is Cal McNelly, and uh, this week we're co- covering Encanto. It's uh, Disney Disney's newest animation. It's their sixtieth, actually. It they kind of uh, toot their own horn a little bit at the beginning of the of the show. It's on their streaming service now, Disney Plus. It came out in December of 2021. And actually it was because of the pandemic and stuff, it didn't do so hot in the theaters. So they were like, oh, we're not really sure if it's a good movie. But then they put it on the streaming service, it's been blowing up. Everybody loves it. And it's easy to see why it's a very great movie. Actually, you know, pretty I was surprised I told my producer just before this. I was looking for those subversive narratives you know, that uh, sometimes people accuse Disney Corporation of including some in their movies. I was looking for them, and I really didn't see them. I was really happy uh, with it. It's very wholesome. It's about families and family values. So uh, right off the bat, I would definitely recommend seeing it um, if you get the chance. Like I said, it's on Disney Plus streaming service. Uh, Encanto means, in uh, Spanish, means uh, charm or magic. And that's kind of the theme of the show is... Uh, there is this uh, family called the Madrigas, and it's very aside. It's very, uh, very nice. They do the Colombian accent, and the, the Colombian culture is portrayed in a very beautiful way. And uh, I definitely, definitely need to see it to understand. But uh, they do a great job with the character names and the accents, and uh, I think capture the essence of what uh, Colombia is about and some of their values and stuff. stuff presented in a very uh, very nice way, and so I definitely uh, was very appreciative of that because I think I, I'm not a culture I'm actually very familiar with, to be completely honest. But I think it was I think it was done very well, and I think I know a little bit more about it now, which which is great. And so anytime a movie can say that, great job. Uh, so Encanto means charm or magic, um, and the uh, this animated film was directed by Jared Bush and Byron Howard, and it's actually nominated for the Academy Award for Best Animated Feature this year. So, uh, like I said, that kind of tells you everything you need to know about the quality of this film and um, people are liking it for a reason. So in Encanto, the uh, film, each member of the Madrigal family has a gift or power except for the main character, Mirabelle. And so the rest of her family get these cool things. One of her sisters has super strength. One of her younger younger brothers has the ability to talk to animals. And so what they do is they're this kind of aristocratic family in this in in their Encanto, which is like an area where there's mountains all around their little village, and so they're the kind of aristocrats of this village. Their house is positioned in a uphill from everybody else in the village, but it's very interesting to see them this you know family with superpowers, and they're not it, it, it's not money's not talked about. They're not wealthy, but they have the biggest house in the village. They eat very well. It seems like. Um, and so they are obviously the leaders of this little village town that's surrounded by these mountains. So it's kind of, um, in its way, cut off from the rest of Colombia. And that's actually very accurate to how I was reading a little bit. That's how Colombia is. There's these little villages and towns kind of sprinkled throughout the country. And each of them have their own 
culture and uh, things they value in the way of life is actually different because they're actually cut off from each other. So it's very interesting in that way. But so there's this big family and they have all these magic powers and they kind of look over the village um, and are responsible for it. So the member, different members of the Madrigal family will use their powers to help people in the in the village. There's a scene where the one sister with super strength is putting back up buildings that have been leaned over and like helping to wrangle donkeys, picking them up on her shoulder and taking them back to the very various pastures. So the Madrigal family kind of, even though they are kind of the elite per se of these, of the society, they help out the people in the village. And so you have to see the, you have to watch the movie to understand this. But I think I wanted to use this to kind of talk about the relationship between the elites in America and the, and the citizens, the regular people, people who don't make, Millions and millions of dollars. I think there's something to be said there about the movie. So in the movie, there is this. There are these scenes, and so at when every whenever a member of the Madrigal family becomes a certain age, they get to go to a new door in the magic house, and when they touch the handle of the door, they get assigned a magical power. Except for uh, Mirabelle, that's part of the plot of the story, but. They get assigned a magical power, and then they use that power. They have a responsibility to use that power to help their family, but also the village. And they and they have to. They have to. It's part of the the give and take of this of this of this little relationship. And so when when the new when the toddler is given their power, the whole town is invited inside the Madrigal family home and they have a big party and it's a very special occasion and they all are, we're all in this together. Even though we are the Madrigal family, we're different than you in the town. We're all in this thing together because we know this person that we're about to give this special power to is going to help us all as we live in this uh, little village. And I think that's so interesting because I don't think that's necessarily the way the modern elites in America think about the people in the country. Imagine for a second... Bill Gates' son, or Jeff Bezos, Jeff Bezos' child, or some other person that they know and care a lot about, is maybe something like accepted into college. They get a chance to go somewhere that they love, and they're going to use that degree to be very wealthy, obviously, and learn something new, and you know maybe give back to the community. Maybe that's their goal, which is fine. Can you imagine Jeff Bezos or Bill Gates um, inviting in the hoi polloi, the regular people, into their home to celebrate with them and even, okay, so even not even the regular people, but just the people in their surrounding city. Can you imagine them doing that? Of course not. That's not what they would do. Of course, they don't know the people around them. They're, they live kind of a sequestered life. They're, no one else lives like them, so how do, they don't have any neighbors. They don't have any, they, they don't interact with the regular people, I don't think. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe, okay, I don't know Jeff Bezos or Bill Gates, but I think we would kind of hear about it if they were hanging out with regular people all the time. I don't think it happens. They live on their super yachts and things like that. And uh, what is the... I think Jeff Bezos' yacht has a trailer yacht that follows behind it. What it's a whole it's a whole thing. But I think that is something that this movie captured that was that was true of older America. I think older society in general. Just for a couple examples, of course, everybody in America knows because of our uh, our history class. We know about the robber barons, right? Andrew Carnegie and John D. Rockefeller and how they were the worst guys ever and we hate them. But no, but they, but they, despite being very successful businessmen in steel and oil, they also donated a lot, most of, a, a lot of their income. I don't know about most, but a lot of their income to public works. They cared about the, the people 
that lived in their city. So if you go to Pittsburgh today and you visit the Science Museum, not exactly a great investment. Not going to get big dividends from building a science museum. It's named after Carnegie. John D. Rockefeller donated more than $500 million in his time's money to revitalize projects and trainings. The University of Chicago for a big was one of the big reasons it's such the big university it is today is because of the donation of John D. Rockefeller. So, of course, these men were perfect, but they also did feel some obligation, especially Carnegie. He wrote about this at great length of the elite and rich to give back to their community and the people who helped you know, them to become these famous people. Okay, and then and then someone might say, well, Cal, I don't know if you've seen this, but uh, Mark Zuckerberg gives a lot to uh, election integrity uh, initiatives and um, also a lot to climate change. Oh, that's great. That's awesome. But uh, I don't know because the election integrity, that stuff, it always seems somehow to get candidates he likes into office. That's kind of interesting, actually. So I'm glad he's being so generous, but it just so happens that a lot of those, a lot of that work goes towards electing Democrats. So he's very charitable, I'm sure. I'm, I'm, I apologize for not being completely convinced. And also, oh, he's giving so much to green energy and solar panels. I wonder if he is perhaps, you know, research on those. I wonder if he's perhaps invested in those products, perhaps. I don't know. That, that It just seems like it, no matter how much Carnegie donates to, like, a library, the library is never going to turn him around. You can't buy a stock in anything associated with a library. So I just have, excuse me, have a little bit more faith in some of these older philanthropic efforts that were there. And I think also it wasn't always just money, right? So if you look back at the, who are the big heroes of World War I? Who's the most famous fighter in World War I? The Red Baron. They were the nobility, the aristocracy. That was who, there was a duty of, on the part of those people to fight in their wars. They had to protect and help fight the common regular people. It was their duty, it was their country. Of course they were gonna go fight. A lot of them gave their lives. That's part of what the thing was. In, in, in medieval warfare, who could only the, the rich and powerful could afford to have armor and a horse and a squire. That was not the regular person could not have those things. So it was the, fighting the wars was for the elite. Fighting, defending their country was for the elite. They had a duty to their subjects to defend them. I don't think that's the case. Jeff Bezos' son is not going to fight in Afghanistan. It's not going to do it. You'd rather send your son from Tennessee or Arkansas. Not his. Of course not. And if war broke out in the United States and there was some kind of scuffle or, you know, the, it looked like maybe the, the, the government or something was in jeopardy, they'd go to New Zealand. They'd leave. There's no, there's, I, don't, I don't think there's a duty amongst the, today's elites. So it's something to think about. I think the movie does a great job of commenting on. It doesn't have to be that way. Right, The regular people and the elites can get along and actually there's a mutual relationship and respect that can be fostered if both sides want to do that. I don't think the modern day elites have earned that respect, frankly, and uh, I don't see them reaching out and trying to do that anytime soon, which is sad, unfortunately. Another thing that I think the movie talks about that is important uh, for our current national conversation is about, so in this multi-generational Madrigal household, the abuela, the grandmother, the matri she like I said, she's the matriarch of the family. She founded it and her daughters 
got married and their kids are part of the family. So it's this huge house with so many characters. And what happens is part of the plot of the movie is she's kind of gripping to this house and the power, the magical power in its way that they have. And she's very um, worried about tradition and marrying off the daughters to make sure they're going to have the next generation and keep the Madrigal household within its grasp of, you know, the as the cultural elite of the city. And she kind of gets frustrated because the main character of the story, Mary Bell, does not have powers like the rest of the family. And so she therefore can't help the family help the city or help the family grow or, you know, maintain its position. She can't help that. And in fact, she kind of is breaking it apart because she's getting to live the, the, the Madrigal family life, but she doesn't actually contribute that much. And the the writers of this play did a beautiful. I mean, the play the movie the movie did a beautiful job of maintaining. So when when these divisions are happening and they're having these fights about Mirabelle's ability to help the family, there's actual cracks in the magical house that form, and the cracks in their relationship are the same. And so as the, as they continue to fester and grow, and this distrust and disunion between the family members and Mirabelle because her inability to help, as as they keep fighting and the resentment grows, the cracks in the house grow grow deeper. And, of course, in the end of the film, they all come back together and the house is rebuilt again and they've re-established re their relationship and the house is built back and there's no cracks this time and the magic is there. And that is that is uh, Mirabelle's power is to bring everybody back together. Um, and so that's very interesting. But I think what's inside that dynamic is the lack of is the inability of the older generation, the abuela, to understand the stress and the desires of Mirabelle and the younger the younger kind of sisters in the household. And so there's a, a very powerful and I think very uh, descriptive kind of. There's a song. It's a musical, by the way, and the song's actually pretty good. But the um, the the Luisa, which is the strong, she's the strong sister. She has the super strength. She has this this song where Mirabel is talking to her, and Luisa says, "You can't understand what I'm going through, Mirabel, because you don't have any powers. I do, and I have a duty with these powers, with these big muscles I have, to give back to the community. I have this burden on my shoulder, and I have trouble kind of conveying this responsibility or sharing." how I am how I'm feeling and the stress this is putting upon me because of my big muscles and people just think I can do everything that they need because I'm look big and strong and I've done them in the past and they just keep loading and loading loading things on my back to take care of and I don't know how to, I don't know how to communicate that and I don't think the abuela understands and there's this and and it's very it's obviously she doesn't We're, the abuela the the grandmother the leader of the family she does not understand that it is that it is very hard for Louisa to bear this burden the strong she is strong but she's just a regular she's a person too and she can't she can't quite she's having trouble bearing the load and there's a communication barrier there similarly with Mirabel and the abuela they don't they don't they talk past each other they don't talk about hey I I'm struggling I I, I want to help but I, I can't and I'm doing everything I can as someone without powers to give to the family and Mirabel is she wants to so bad but she can't because she doesn't have the same powers as her sisters. The same thing is true with, and 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 from the abuela's standpoint, though, I I I don't I can't bother with you, Mirabelle, because you don't have powers and you can't help 
for the family legacy. You can't help with in the town because you don't have any power. So she's kind of pushes her away, and, and it, it's so frustrating for both of them. Both of them are so frustrated, rightly, probably. I think it's true of the older generations in America and the younger generations of America. I don't think they communicate or even know how to communicate. They can't. They, can't. they don't speak. They almost don't speak the same language. Their experiences are so different. I was born in 1998, so I was 10. During the 2008 financial crisis, I have no concept of what that was like, let alone like the Great Depression or like stagflation in the 80s. I don't understand those things. I don't, I don't, I don't have those same cultural contexts that someone who lived through them did. And I think they don't, they, they is almost this assumption from the older, some of the old people, some of the older people in our country today that they do. And there's, and if, and if they, if they pick up that the younger person doesn't understand those things, they just get frustrated. I, ah, you know, you kids, you don't get it. And maybe that's true of all generations, right? Maybe it's always, oh, those crazy kids are doing something crazy. You know, just, I don't need to talk to them. They're going to grow up and get a job and then they'll, you know, figure it out. But I, I just think we've the technology in America has changed so fast, and uh, my generation, which was raised online, now we, we we don't. Our world is so different than the ones that my grandparents or my probably my parents grew up in. They don't they don't get it. They're, we're not where we. I want them to communicate with me and be on the social medias and stuff, but it's they have it, it's hard. To learn, they they remember a time we didn't have those things, and this wasn't especially in their younger years when they were learning. They didn't have, didn't have to they didn't, they didn't have to know those things, but at the same time, the 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 younger generation, I think, and I, I speak for myself for sure, I don't necessarily, I'm not 100 percent interested in learning about these older events, these pivotal life changing things that my parents and my grandparents went through. It's 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 so different from my life. I see them and I'm like, you know what? That's not going to affect me. That's been done. Old news. I'm not interested in it. And it's not going to affect me because our world is so different now. I don't need to think about those. But I'm, of course, wrong. There's universal things that are much bigger than it's one technology or one idea or concept that you have to be able to learn and grasp from those older generations and they're here now. And so you should take advantage of them while they are, because once they're gone, they're gone. And all you have is the, is the writing or the stories that you have had, and it's not complete. So you do need to make a, as a young person, make an effort to try to be able to communicate or get something valuable from those people who have been there before. And so that's maybe my challenge all the young listeners is try to have a conversation with someone you maybe normally wouldn't have a conversation with or someone who's older who maybe you know in your mind doesn't really get it he's not they're not online like you they don't get the jokes they don't have the same lingo but it's important to talk to them because they've been around a lot longer than you and might have something even if it's one thing right it's totally worth it and 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 that's that's why the beauty that's why I really like this movie is because by the end they do talk it out and there's this great scene by the river where they're they're finally talking to each other and talking about their own fears and what they worry about. And then they come together and they find out that, oh my gosh, the, the abuela has respected and loved Mirabel all along, but wasn't sure how to communicate that. And, Mir- and Mirabel, she respects the abuela and says, I under- she understands where she's coming from, but she just wants to help in any way. And they, and they have this beautiful, beautiful hug. And then it starts this great montage where they rebuild the house 
which is symbolic for them rebuilding the family's relationship. And they come together. The whole town, going back to our first topic, the whole town comes and helps rebuild the house of the aristocrats because they love them and they know the this elite family cares about them and is going to care about them. So they are willing to bring back the house that was destroyed and the relationship that was destroyed. They want to be a part of that. And so I think I think it's really it's a really interesting and true dynamic that it captures and it also is in its way a challenge. Is if you're having a relationship struggle, if you're having something that you know, I don't. I'm not communicating with this person. I'm kind of talking past this person. The movie encourages us to maybe you have to. Maybe you might have to lose something. Perhaps your pride. I don't want to. I don't know if I want to talk to that person. I'm not sure. But you, you should. You should do it. And and what's going to come of it is going to be something that's much better than you could ever possibly imagine. That's all the time we have today. Thank you again for being here with us. And I'm so excited to keep doing this. This is going really great. And so I hope you're enjoying it as much as I am. Thank you again. And I'll see you next week.